0: Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. We are a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. If you'd like to find out more information about the church, you can visit our website. That information will be available to you at the conclusion of today's devotional. Additionally, I have my own website. It's known dot it's theparchment.net. And there I do other types of writings, daily prayer, writing through the Proverbs, Uh, currently engaged in a project of, of writing on various chapters of the Bible to give more information and knowledge to those who would read it. Many other different things I'm doing over there, but that link is available in the notes below the video as well as it will also be given at the end of the video. Uh, The devotional today. Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. This is edition number 20 of season 8 as we're continuing our uh, examination of the Westminster Confession of Faith, an historic document that articulates in summary fashion very important truths from God's Word. Today we come to paragraph 7 of chapter 3, but let's pray first and then we'll consider uh, these matters together. Our Father in Heaven, as we come now again to these things that have been summarized for us in this historic document, an accurate summary of what Your Word does teach, we pray that You would give us insight into Your Word, You would strengthen us, that Your Spirit would teach us and guide us. These are difficult things, indeed, as we deal with Your decree and Your work of election and redeeming a people and Your work in... um, In matters pertaining to our salvation, uh, we thank you for your sovereign will and purpose to uh, choose a people to yourself, and we pray that through it we would be humbled by your power and by your goodness and your kindness, that you might help us even this morning as we consider this paragraph before us, that you might teach us by your spirit, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, in yesterday's edition, we looked at paragraph 6. We looked uh, primarily at matters pertaining to the elect. That is to say that God in his sovereign good pleasure from eternity past has determined, has chosen in Christ who would be part of his, his kingdom. And such, they are given the benefits of justification, adoption, sanctification. They are um, ultimately will be glorified. God per- continues to work in and through them for the sake of his Son, that he might persevere his people to the very end. But what do we do about the rest? The ones that God in eternity past has not determined to save. Well, paragraph 7 deals with this question. And so we read there, The rest of mankind, God was pleased according to the unsearchable counsel of his own will, whereby he extendeth or withholdeth mercy as he pleaseth, for the glory of his sovereign power over his creatures to pass and to ordain them to dishonor and wrath for their sin to the praise of his glorious justice. It is important to realize here that we are now dealing with the reprobate. We are dealing with those. As our confession clearly states, uh, God was pleased uh, to pass by. And as we think about these things, it's important to recognize that this is God's own good pleasure. This is something that he is uh, uh, purposed to do. The God of heaven who, who decrees all things and is according to his infinite knowledge and wisdom and holiness has determined to pass by some. Uh, they are not elect. They will not come to faith in Christ. They will continue in their sin and they will be eternally uh, lost. Now, reading from uh, arguably the uh, the premier expert on, the matter, on matters pertaining to the Westminster Confession of Faith, the larger and shorter catechism, Chad Van Dixhorn's fine book uh, titled Confessing the Faith, a Reader's Guide to the Westminster Confession of Faith, he says this about this paragraph. He says, paragraph seven sums up and restates some of the some of the som- somber realities begun earlier in the chapter, whereas God elected some to the praise of His glorious grace, according to Ephesians 2.6, He was pleased to do something different with the rest of mankind. But even before being told what God had planned for the rest of mankind, we are reminded that this is what God decided to do. And in case it should not be obvious to everyone that God does what He alone pleases, we are reminded again that this act of choosing some and not others is according to the unsearchable counsel of His own will. This may be hard for us, but remember that the Son of God actually gave thanks to His Father, that His Father hid important truths from the wise and prudent. and did so because this was His Father's good pleasure. Now let's just stop there and consider the verse that's mentioned that's Uh, Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 25 and uh, 26. and So we read there, at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Which is simply to say that God, according to his gracious will, according to his purposes, his holy and infallible wisdom and knowledge, determined to hide things, from some of his creatures. Now, Psalm 115, verse 3 tells us our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. He does whatever pleases him. And so, this was indeed the Father's good pleasure. The reality is that in a great house, some vessels are designed for honor, some for dishonor. And we see that in 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 19 and 20. Now, let's take a look at those two verses just um, so that we can... Uh, Referred to, refer to them um, by the lens of the scriptures. And we read there, But God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Now how does He know who they are? Because He's determined to save them. He has in eternity past elected them to salvation. They were His. They are His. And through the means, as we saw in paragraph 6, through various means, as God has ordered them... Um, they will indeed come to faith in Christ. But it goes on, And let everyone who names the, name, names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonor- dishonorable. And so, uh, lumped into all of humanity, there are those who have been elected from the foundation of the world to be redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are those who have not been. The same is true in God's world, some people, the, the, Van Dixhorn goes on, the same is true in God's world, some people are marked out for condemnation, Jude says, and they are godless men who ch- change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Ultimately, we cannot know who all these people are in this life, for we always have hope and we know that the Lord is intent on saving many of the worst sinners, worst of sinners. Now, Nonetheless, we also know, as Peter tells us, that there are people who are appointed to stumble over the rock of our salvation. 1 Peter 2.8 Unbelievers and confused believers consider this to be reformed megalomania, but it is simply the teaching of Scripture. As Paul makes clear in Romans 9, whether persons or whole nations are in view, God extends or withholds mercy as He pleases for the glory of His sovereign power over His creatures. Now, there... uh, Van Dixhorn is referencing the the, the proof text that's given to us in this paragraph, Romans chapter 9, beginning with verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Now we know what happened to Pharaoh. He was judged severely by the hand of God. His heart was hardened. He hardened his own heart. His heart was hardened. And he refused to let the people go. Verse eighteen. So then, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Reading on, you will say to me, then, why does he still find fault? And people will use this as an argument against this doctrine of predestination and the doctrine of foreordination of the reprobate. And they will say, well, it's not their fault. Then um, they, they had no choice. They they, they uh, they're like robots, and God, and so the matter was taken out of the hands of the creature. Well. The apostle Paul anticipated this objection. You will say to me, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? Well, that's a you know, the question the answer is in the question. Who can resist the will of God? But who are you, O oh man, Paul responds, to answer back to God. Will what is molded say to the moulder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable? Use. What if God, desiring to show His wrath and to make known His power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of His glory for the vessels of mercy, which He has prepared beforehand for glory? So, two camps of people, vessels of wrath. Vessels of mercy. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ today, you are a vessel of mercy. God was kind to you. He did not give to you what you deserve. He gave to you what you didn't deserve. He was merciful. He was gracious. He poured out His wrath on Christ. If you do not know Christ, if you reject Him, if you continue and persist in the offer of the gospel in your life, you can't stand before God and blame Him. You're the one who rejected. it. You can say, well, it's not my fault because God purposed to never save me anyway, so it's not my fault, but it is your fault because you're still a sinner and you're only receiving, then therefore, the due judgment that is yours. You're not receiving any more than is required, but you're not receiving any less either. And so here, as the confession makes very, very plain... Um, He extends or withholds mercy as he pleases for the glory of his sovereign power over his creatures to pass by and to ordain them dishonor and wrath for their sin to the praise of his glorious justice. So, on one hand, God extends mercy and grace. On the other hand, he extends justice. In both cases, he is not wrong. He is doing exactly what is consistent with his holy nature and purpose. Now, I grant you, it's a mystery. For we do not know who these people are. We will never know until glory who they are. This is what we know. We call the invisible church. The visible church, of course, is what we see every every Lord's Day when people gather in sanctuaries all across the world and they worship God. We look around, we see people singing the same hymns, reading from the same Bible, hearing the same sermons. But we don't know with absolute certainty whether or not they're elect, whether or not they know Christ. That's why the gospel should be proclaimed from pulpits no matter what the circumstance is. No matter how well the pastor thinks he knows his people. He needs to put Christ in front of them all the time. And then therefore, God, and God the Holy Spirit will apply that to the elect. But there's an outward call that it comes to even the non elect To hear the gospel and repent and believe, it is a command, repent and believe the gospel. And so they can't stand before God and say, it's not my fault. It is your fault because you are a sinner and you are only receiving exactly what you deserve. It's just like when you go to work every week and you get paid. You get what you earned. You don't get more than you earned unless your boss is very gracious. And if he does give you more than you earned, that's an act of grace. It is an act of merit. And so it's only just for your boss to pay you what you've contracted to be paid. But if he were to give you ten times more than you earned, that would be an act of grace and mercy, giving to you what you don't deserve. And so, on one hand, God gives to sinners what they don't deserve. He gives them Christ, and in Christ they are redeemed and saved and justified, adopted, sanctified, glorified. But without Christ, if he does not grant them Christ... They receive exactly what they're owed. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so there's no harm or wrong on God's part in any way. And it really is um, plain, especially in Romans 9, but elsewhere, that God who is the creator of all things, he is the potter. We are his creatures. We are the clay. He can make us any way he chooses. Some will say it's not fair. It's It's not about fairness. It's about justice. No reasonable Christian would ever ask God to be fair to them. If that were the case, we'd be lost for eternity. No, what we want is grace and mercy. And What God gives to the reprobate that he determines not to save is simply justice. And so there's no crime committed here. There's no act of maliciousness or any other nature thing. It's simply God's eternal decree, sovereign decree rooted in His personal, His own infinite and holy and wise will. And that's why it's important to remember the first line of the paragraph. The rest of mankind, God was pleased according to the unsearchable counsel of His own will. The unsearchable counsel. Who can understand the uh, the wisdom of God His counsel is beyond understanding for us. It is His purpose to not elect every single person. It is His purpose to redeem uh, certain people. We rest in that simply. We hear the gospel and we either respond or we do not. And so, my friend, if you don't know Christ today, you can't stand there and say to God, it's His fault because you never elected me. No, it's your fault. You're the sinner. What I would encourage you to do is repent, believe the gospel. If you know Christ today, then all you can stand all you can do is stand in awe and humility. We're going to see that in the next paragraph. The reality that God determined to save you, not because of you, but because of his Son, because of His great love for you. And so in both cases we stand in awe and amazement at God's sovereign um, act and work as He deals with His creatures. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, follow-up remarks, whatever the case may be, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Monday edition, when we complete chapter 3 and we look at paragraph 8, very practical paragraph as it wraps everything up, may the Lord help you. May you this weekend endeavor to worship the living and true God on the Lord's Day, and may you faithfully walk with Him. God bless.